Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Ketubot, daf Kaf Gimel, page 23. I'm going to pick up this Gemara in the middle of Amad Aleph, where it's really continuing to explicate the Mishnah from the previous daf. And it says, and this is a citation from the Mishnah, this was the case, right, where the woman says that she was captive. Uh, she doesn't say anything. The witnesses come to say that she was captive. She says that she was captive, but she's pure, right? She was not attacked. She was not raped. And the witnesses who say this about her, that indeed she had been a captive, only come after she's already married. Now, the Gemara is going to kind of unpack this and, and redirect it a little bit. Amar Avua de Shmuel. So the father Shmuel says, Loni state ni state mamash. It doesn't mean she really got married. Rather, the court permitted her to marry, meaning presumably she has said at the very least that she's pure, right? And that's why there's a court getting involved to begin with. So she hasn't yet gotten married, but she's been permitted to get married. And that alone is enough for her not to have to leave the future husband once she does marry him. But one second, the Mishnah says she doesn't have to leave her husband, meaning it's pretty explicit. So the Gemara says, well, it just means that she doesn't have to leave that initial status of being permitted to, to marry somebody, um, which I find this rewrite kind of interesting because part of the issue is, of course, why would the witnesses only be coming forward after she's already married? So I understand where Chazal are coming from to try to explain this. But on the other hand, the fact that there's like this kind of, I don't know, revision of the Mishnah that seems so straightforward in its vocabulary is interesting, right? Sometimes Mishnayot are oblique, and then we want all that explication of the Gemara. In this case, I wouldn't have thought that it was necessary, except for that, lo and behold, it is. It's talking about a more, uh, a more expansive position with regard to this woman than the Mishnah itself seems to say. So the Gemara goes on, because again, talking about a captive, right? Tanara Banan, Amru, Amra, sorry. If she says, Nishbeti Vitorani, Vieshli Edim Shatorani, what happens if she says she's taken, she's taken captive? She's left unscathed. And lo and behold, she even has witnesses who can who can commit to the fact, who can testify to the fact that she was left unscathed. The court doesn't say, well, let those witnesses come and make sure that this is actually accurate. The very fact that she can claim to procure them is seems to be sufficient. And at that point, even, she could get married. Um, and she could marry, again, even to a Kohen, which should be, um, all of you should, right, should have hearkened to that point already, right? Like the question of can she get married, <laughs> excuse me, there are plenty of people that she could have married anyway, right? Like, uh, the woman who has been taken captive and not emerged unscathed can get married, but not just, but not to everybody, right? Certainly not to Kohen. So, so what happens? She says this, the court permits her to get married. The witnesses then come and then they say, oh, we don't know. We don't know if she was pure. We don't know if she remained unscathed. So then the Gemara says, that's the case where she doesn't have to go out, meaning she doesn't have to leave her husband, where she claims that the witnesses know, the witnesses come forward and say, we don't know. But in the meantime, she's gotten married, she can stay married to him. But what happens if witnesses come and say, wait a second, we know, we saw, we know, we are certain that she was violated, right? That she's not left unscathed. So of course, my first question is like, could the witnesses get involved and protect her? But okay, fine. I feel Yeshla Kamabanim Tate say. 
So, and that's the case. If there's witnesses specifically against her claim of, of Tahara, then even if she's already married, has kids, she's supposed to leave her husband. Specifically a Kohen, right? If she's ma- married to a Kohen. Um, fine. So now, and the Gemara goes on to talk, it's about a very, um, again, a concrete case of specific women. So there were captive women, and they came to Naharda'a, meaning with the captors, right? And then the whole idea was, um, it's kind of like a ransom, right? Like the captors want to bring them to the to the town of the Jews, whatever, and have them be redeemed. So the father of Shmuel set up guards, right, around them or with them to make sure that they would not have any that they would not that the that the that the non-Jewish captors would not have any alone time with them, right? Meaning it's for their protection. Amarle Shmuel and Shmuel says, says to his father, like, and up until now, who's guarding them? Meaning, if you're worried about them needing guards to to confirm their own statements, whether or not they were um, raped or, again, whatever molestation might have taken place, if you need guards at this point, then why didn't you need guards before? And if you didn't need guards before, then why would you need them now? Amarle, ilu ban... Um, so his father says, if these were your daughters, would you leave them like without any guard around them? Like you're just going to leave them there? Meaning at this point, at this point when they're brought to Naharda'a and they're brought into this Jewish community, so to speak, then they're no longer ca- captives, right? And the point is, his father says, you know, treat them like any Jewish woman, including the women who are not taken captives. Don't leave them as if they don't need guarding because either they're already, forgive the term here, sullied, right? Either they've either been harmed or they're fine, but they don't need any protection. That's not the way we do things. So I really love this because Shmuel's point is so sharp in terms of logic. He's exactly right. And his father does him one better and says, you know, yes, your logic is right, but that's not how we do things. That's not treating these women bukavah. And we're going to treat them with honor and respect. And that means that we're going to treat them exactly as if they were never taken captive and they deserve our protection, you know, under any circumstances, regardless of what has happened to them up until now. It sort of continues with the idea. So the Mishnah reads as follows. So we have two women who were taken captives. I was taken captive, but I'm pure, meaning not. And the other one says the same thing. We don't believe them. But the point is, they can testify to each other. They can testify uh, on their own behalf. I find that to be frustrating. I don't love it, <laughs> you know, but I, I, we understand it because there's an incentive to testify on your own behalf. So I don't know, this Mishnah is a little bit in contrast to me to what you just read, Anne. Um, I think the potential to lie is always real. Yeah, it's there. It's there. So like on the one hand, we we protect within a bounds, but because of the, the potential of lying basically outweighs, you know, the, the desire to protect and to believe. That's basically how I understand this Mishnah. I did, so this is the caveat I want to say. I may be mistaken here, but I did not understand Avod Shmuel as saying we believe them. 
I be- I understood him to be saying we treat them well. We're we going to protect them, well. them. I think you're right. Yep, that's fair. We and then and the Gemara goes on to say that these were his daughters, which right, is right, kind right. Of that's true. like you know burying in the lead there. But okay, right. you know, and so not necessarily we necessary. protect them, not believe them. That's fair. Right. So I, but I think therefore we we pay attention to those differences on the dot. The Gemara here then just basically quotes a more elaborate uh, brisa that goes through all different permutations of such a scenario, right? where she says, I'm Tame, but my friend here is Tahor. In other words, it's still the case of two women. That we would believe, right? Or she says, I'm Tahor, but my friend is Tame, that we don't believe. Um, and then, you know, both of us are Tame, we believe about her, but not about the friend. Or she says, both of us are Tahor, we believe about the friend, but not about her. And then the Gemara questions, why is the halacha the case in each of those things? Um, and then we finally have a last Mishnah, which is not anything to have to do with this type of case at all. Um, and it has to do with men. Right? This Again, we don't believe them because there's too much to lie. Right? But if each can testify about the other, then we believe them. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, you need two witnesses to say that you're a Kohen. I'm a Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar says, So he says, when is that the case? When there are challengers. In other words, if somebody challenges, so one person says, oh, this guy's a Kohen. And then, you know, somebody else comes and says, he's really not a Kohen. That's when you would need two witnesses. But if there's no challengers, we believe the testimony of one. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, Rabban Shimon ben Haskan. So he said this in the name of Rabbi Shimon, uh, who was who was a Kohen. So he's quoting Alacha, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel from a Kohen himself. That even within the Kohanim themselves, there was a tradition that we believe based on one witness. So we'll we'll discuss this more tomorrow. The Gemara and this we'll get into tomorrow. Uh, but two interesting Mishnahs that I think are sort of trying to balance the desire to want to believe somebody or to solve certain problems that would happen. Can we rely on your own testimony? Can we rely on the testimony of one person? And when are we sort of the halacha is going to say, like, we just can't be this lenient, even though we really want to be. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us for views where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Music.